Welcome to the Liberty Block. This is Elliot Axelman, and this video is brought to you by Taxation is Theft. Head over to taxationistheft.info. We'll post a link down in the description of the video. Help out our friend Dan Berman with some amazing products teaching people about how taxation is theft and extortion. And you'll help out our company and Taxation is Theft, my friend's company, a lot. I appreciate all the support. So I want to discuss democracy and why I don't like democracy. It'll be a short video explaining like seven or so reasons why I think democracy is pretty much the worst thing ever. Um, democracy is the worst form of government, but it's our democracy specifically that's the worst form of government. It's representative democracy with a constitution, right? Um, the great, brilliant conservatives always remind me that it's not a pure democracy. The United States is a democratic republic or a democratic constitutional republic so it's a republic guided by a constitution with some democratic elements because we vote right these smart people who have degrees educate me because i'm just a dumb fool cowboy with no degree all right i got that the number one reason i don't like representative democracy is it is extremely close to democracy i wrote an entire article explaining how we have i know we have representatives we vote for representatives they vote for laws it's not direct democracy we also have certain other uh infrastructure and systems in place so technically certain things are off limits even to democratic elements meaning if you vote for something even with 90 percent some things are off limits like the entire bill of rights where shall not be infringed of course means that all gun control is unconstitutional and therefore no gun control has ever passed in the united states because it's off limits to democracy right so there's, there are no gun laws in the u.s right am i right or am i wrong same with the First Amendment. We've written articles about whether the First Amendment really protects all free speech and expression and um, right to worship. So I've written an entire article. I'll link that in the description too, explaining that the U.S. is essentially as close as possible to a 100% direct democracy because everything is on the table. Obviously, I was joking earlier when I said some things are off limits. Nothing's off limits. Don't be crazy. Nothing's off limits. Even the so-called Bill of Rights, those who are elected by voting, which is democracy, can do anything, including pass millions of gun laws, millions of restrictions, ridiculous violations of free speech, freedom of religion, freedom of press, freedom of expression. I've written so many articles with tons of sources of every, how every state in the federal government violates all those laws, right? So really, we're essentially a democracy. Being a pure democracy, we are a republic, the United States, of mob rule. Because those who understand the basic philosophy and, and science and the logic of voting is that it's mob rule. Again, voting sounds good, but it's mob rule. Because if the majority or the majority of voters, not even the majority vote, if the majority of voters decide to do something like take your property or violate you or beat you or kill you, then democracy essentially gives them justification for doing that. The second big issue I have with democracy is that it, it's even worse than other systems like dictatorship, monarchy, oligarchy. Um, I can make the case that the U.S. is an oligarchy because it's really run by like five people at the top. But one of the worst things is that the whole voting crap gives people the false sense of control over the government. It makes common people think that they have a voice in a presidential election, they think they have a voice of one of the 100 million votes. In local elections, they think they have a voice. Really, I've written many articles with, with tremendous amounts of sources explaining that almost nobody has any choice. Your vote does not count. 
one vote, one voice, your vote, your voice, and all that propaganda to get you to support statist systems like voting. People really think if they vote, they have a choice in their government. They don't. Primaries are decided by party leaders months in advance of primaries. Those who are in politics know what I'm talking about. Nearly every primary, even down to local, city, and state levels, they're decided by the party leadership. Biden, I wrote in an article in 2018 or 2017 that Biden probably won the nomination because that is who the party leader selected. They don't give a crap about their primary voters. Now, once the primary is decided by those party leaders or other big leaders, billionaire elites, that is really the important thing because then all you have is a binary choice between someone like Biden and Trump. So really the, the main choice where people have thousands of options, of course, they could have chosen Yang or Tulsi Gabbard, Julian Castro, Bernie Sanders. We all know all those people I just listed are much more popular among Democrats than, than Joe Biden, who was not popular at all. Same with Hillary Clinton. Yet they won the nomination because that is what the elites wanted. So you don't have a, a voice. I'll post that article too. It's called a non-representative republic because we're not a representative republic. We're the opposite. We're a non-representative republic where politicians are not elected by regular people. The voting is BS. I'm not saying it's all 100% wholesale fraud. It might be, but even if it's not, just the way they manipulate people with, with thousands of different systems in place, your vote is manipulated and doesn't mean crap. Obviously, in a presidential election, unless you're in one of the five-time swing states, your vote doesn't mean crap anyway. So your vote doesn't matter. So two of my, my worst, biggest issues with democracy is that, number one, it's essentially mob rule. Literally, there's a, a famous joke. It's You shouldn't joke about horrible violations of people, but um, you know some immature kids might think it's it's humorous. Literally, the joke is nine out of ten people support gang rape or enjoy gang rape. And you think about it for a second, nine out of ten people enjoy that. No one would enjoy being violated in the most horrible, disturbing way. But wait, nine out of ten people, maybe the nine are the ones doing the rape. And there's one victim. But that poor victim, that defenseless girl, is outvoted by the nine. Oh, but Alu, that's nine out of ten. We're talking about a bigger scale. You know, democracy of ten people wouldn't work. Um... You know, we're talking about a society of, you know, at least a town. Okay, there are towns with, with 400 people. Considering that the average election has around 10% voter participation, that 100 is now 10 people. So, yeah, there are plenty of towns in New Hampshire with 100 people. Even county levels go to state level. There are states with a million people or less. If only 100,000 vote because the others don't like any of the candidates because they're all tyrants, and 100,000 vote, and this is a 17-way primary like we have with Trump, which is realistic, and... One person who's a tyrant could have literally been Hitler, wins a primary with 17 votes or, you know, 100 votes, 200 votes. 200 people in one state could be crazy easily. Chris Christie, one of the most hated governors ever. Sorry, dictators ever. In New Jersey. I think New Jersey has 12 million people. A few hundred thousand. 3% put him over the top in the primary. And that was only a two-way primary. If he had more opponents, he could have won with like a thousand votes in a primary. Once you win the primary, you have a roughly 50% chance of winning the election. In New Jersey, the Democrat was even worse, and he won the election by being the the uh, lesser of two evils. So you can win. So Christie won an election essentially with 3% of people in New Jersey affirmatively supporting him. 3% of, of uh, adults, registered voters, I believe. Uh, I'll link to that as well. So wait, how did a guy become a dictator of a whole state of 12 million people with only a few thousand votes? That's how democracy gets you. It's not fair. But even if he did get 99% of the vote, does that give him the right to violate everyone, including the 1% who didn't vote for him, who voted against him? It doesn't give you the right. Again, go back to that, that analogy. If 9 out of 10 people enjoy it, doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Democracy, at its purest form, which everyone supports, even conservatives, if you actually corner them, 
they have to admit they support full-on democracy. Yeah, we voted. You know, it's 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 so the duly elected people, um, they they are so inconsistent because they believe that democracy, essentially, the the ends the power justifies the means or the power. Might is right because democracy, mob rule, means might is right. It means that if you win an election, you can do whatever you want, and you are inherently justified in doing whatever you want. No, but some things are off limits. Like what? The Bill of Rights? Clearly, it's not off limits. There are millions of laws in the U.S. currently violating the Bill of Rights, and conservatives who worship at the feet of judges say, well, judges looked at them, determined their constitutionality, they determined that 99% of laws violating the Bill of Rights really don't violate the Bill of Rights and therefore aren't constitutional, and they're fine, totally constitutional. So those are some of the issues. I also wrote down here on this little um, note over here that it essentially makes people slaves. We, we kind of went over that. The, democracy, we can talk all about taxation, like we opened the show with taxation and stuff. If Think about it this way. People think it's radical, and I used to think, think it was radical a few years ago when I heard taxation and stuff. It was a little disturbing to me. I thought it was radical, unpatriotic. And then I started thinking about it because someone posed this to me, and I'll pose this to you. If What's the definition of slavery? Technically, you go to a dictionary... And it would probably say um, a master taking by force or coercion or threat of force or violence 100% of someone's labor, someone's products of their labor. If you work or are forced to work and you don't earn any money because all of the money or all of the value you produce in the form of, of money or, or picking cotton or whatever it is, your master keeps. And they give you only enough to keep you alive, only enough food to keep you living, and enough sleep so you can live and keep working for them another day. So if slavery could be essentially posed as, as this, 100% taxation, right? Think of the masters on a small level. Each master is taxing their slave, if you think of southern slaves from the 1800s, each master is taxing their slaves at 100% income tax, right? It's a flat tax, 100%, meaning all of their money, all the value they would have produced by picking cotton, which would have been, I don't know, maybe 40 bucks an hour, maybe $80,000 a year, who knows? But the, the master takes all of it and gives them essentially nothing, just enough to live. What if the, the master would have taken half of the products of their labor? Half the cotton they pick, the master takes, and they have to work, you know, by force. The master takes half of the money by force. What if they made money? The master paid them market value, paid them as much as they were worth, which let's say back in the day, Inflation adjusted was, was $45,000 a year for picking cotton all day, and the master stole half their money. We would say they're essentially half slaves, financially speaking, depending on, on their personal liberties, because there are other aspects. Financially speaking, if a master takes half your money, your income by force, you're a half slave. Okay. What's our effective tax burden in, in, in the United States? Roughly 50% folks, the federal income tax... For the average person, the effective tax rate with all the brackets combined and, and averaging out all the brackets per dollar, it's, it's for me, you know, 22, 23% federal income tax, effective tax burden. Maybe for the average person, it's 23, 20%. Let's go with 20%. Now add on to that state taxes, another maybe 5, 10% on average. Add all the sales taxes, which is thousands of dollars per year, which is another 5 or 10% of their income, maybe. And add on the other 95 taxes that exist. Um, property taxes, view taxes, excise taxes on many other products, um, taxes on insurance, payroll taxes, which is essentially an income tax that's invisible it's on the other side. So security tax, all of other FICA taxes, think of all the um, toll tax, you know, gas tax, toll tax. It, it combines for about 50%, right? That 50% of pe money that people make goes to the government of some level, 
which are all in it together because they all collude. We've discussed that in other articles. So if the government steals half your money, financially speaking, you're a half slave, right? And again, democracy empowers them to do all this. That's my point. They all vote. Well, all they voted for the taxes. Just vote. Just, you know, vote differently. Okay. I voted to not have any taxes. I don't vote for any taxes, but I'm outnumbered. Oh, well, you're outnumbered. Sucks to be you, Alu. Okay. Sucks to be that girl from the, the disgusting joke 20 minutes ago. Is that what you would say to her if you were gang raped? Well, she was outnumbered, you know, 9 to 1. What if it was 99 to 10? 99 to 50. There are towns like that. There are small towns. There are only two or three Jews in this whole town of uh, 16,000. 16, if 99.9% .9 of people vote to burn all the Jews, tough luck, Alu, they voted. So again, this is where if you, if you corner all statists, you know, conservatives, progressives, moderates, if you corner them, they all have to admit they either believe in property rights, meaning the voluntarists, or they believe in some level of democracy, meaning tyranny, meaning mob rule. There really is, is no in between. So I reject all the use of force. I don't care if you justify it by saying they, it was by an elected official or someone appointed by an elected official. I don't care if they're elected. Wasn't Hitler elected? I don't remember if he, if he was appointed chancellor or elected, but if he was appointed chancellor before he made the chancellor the most powerful position and kind of had a coup and threw out the, the democratically elected leader, but he was either appointed or elected, right? Was Stalin appointed or elected? I don't know, maybe. Um, we all know uh, Putin and Kim Jong-un technically win every election, right? So elections don't necessarily make them good people. What if 70% of the U.S. re-elects Biden and then he murders all white people or all Jews or Christians? Will that make it justified just because, oh, well, they voted? So again, it, it doesn't make sense. Let's see what else I have here as far as my complaints. Um... Yeah, as far as a false sense of security, a false sense of control, it, the, what the Constitution does, so just like the, the voting element, so the democratic element of our current system, which is a representative democratic republic, technically speaking, just like it makes people think they have a false sense of, of voice in the government because we all get one vote, you know, if we all vote, we can band together. And I hear all the smartest, most amazing intellectual, conservative, Dan Bongino, Daniel Horowitz, Mark Levin, Rush Limbaugh, all saying we all need to vote. Let's all band together and vote. And why don't we have a Governor DeSantis in every state? Yeah, Governor DeSantis is great. He's, he's much less of a statist tyrant than, than every, every other uh, dictator. But still, he has, you know, plenty of laws, plenty of laws that violate natural rights. Just like the democratic element, gives voters, gives individuals a false sense of control, so too does the Constitution. It gives people a false sense that, well, all you see, laws constrain us, but the Constitution constrains the government. So the Constitution is what restricts the government from doing certain things. Um, the statutes, which are one billion times the size in the scope of the Constitution, but we won't mention that. The billions of laws constrain us. Okay, let's compare the two. Let's call them all uh, U.S. statutes or U.S. code, right? All of the U.S. laws. I'm sure there are there are millions or billions, um, maybe even 27 trillion. They all constrain us, but guess what? They all have. They all have a punishment. If you read these laws, they all say they have a, a minimum and maximum punishment. I believe all these criminal statutes. Some are felonies, some are misdemeanors, whatever. They all have up to a year of prison or between one year and not more than 10 years of prison and or a fine of not, not less than $100,000 and not more than $700,000. This is how all these statutes are written, at least in our state and, and I think federally. They all have punishments, right? Now, the Constitution, which is the document that brainless fools think that constrains the government. The Constitution constrains the government. Yeah, Alu, the Constitution is, is what restricts the government. They can't do certain things, really. 
They already violate it, and the Constitution has no punishments in there. It says shall not be infringed. And that's where it ends. <laughs> right? The Second Amendment ends with it shall not be infringed. And what if they do infringe it? Because they have, idiots. They have, they have violated our Second Amendment guaranteed rights to own guns, keep and bear arms, self-defense. They violate them time and again, millions of times. There's no punishment, though. And as one of the great psychotherapists very often says, behavioral theory, human behavior, states that people do what they get away with. If people get away with something, they are extremely inclined to continue doing it. It's natural human behavior, not good or bad. It's natural human brains. That's how developed homo sapien brains or any developed organism works. Probably the same with the dog. If they get away with it, they, keep, they may keep doing it if they want to do it. If they're punished, they may not do it again, right? That's the whole point of punishments. So for us, the laws for us, laws for, for thee, but not for me. The laws for us punish us. If I violate something, I go to jail. If politicians violate the Constitution, they don't go to jail. Also, they can violate the other laws because the other laws just don't apply to them. Regular citizens' laws. One in a billion politicians who uh, commits a crime goes to jail. But the Constitution, which is supposed to constrain the government, has no punishments in there, right? That's why in, in, um, I've said for a long time the Constitution needs some punishments in there. More to come on that later. So that's another very interesting point. People think the Constitution, you know, gives us control over the government. The, the American government can't do things that Britain does, like ban all guns or New Zealand or other states, because we have a Second Amendment. No, we don't. It does nothing. It has no punishment. It's ineffective. It's not even worth the crappy paper it was written on, because the government violates it and, and has no punishment. No consequences. Think about it. I also wrote down here, democracy always leads to tyranny. Um, I think we, we went over a lot of the reasons why that is the case. Democracy, uh, obviously, pretty much every country has some level of democracy versus you know, parliament, which is probably better than, than our democracy, which is a Congress system for a few reasons. The, the parliament has representative representation as far as party party division. Um, so if a libertarian party wins 3% of the vote, they don't get zero people in Congress. They actually get three members of Congress or 3% of Congress for a certain allocation of a certain portion of Congress, which at least would make some sense. Um, but that's into the weeds of, of election science again, which I don't believe in any of this crap. I believe nothing, not even an election, gives you power over another. There's something in the, oh, the Constitution of No Authority. That, that's one of the best arguments. Lysander Spooner, one of the voluntarists from around 1800, the, around the founding of the U.S., who objected to the Constitution, wrote a very short book. It's, it's on, you can find the audiobook somewhere. It's a very short book called The Constitution of No Authority. It explains why the Constitution, and this is groundbreaking. I, I never thought of this concept till I read the book, and it changed me. It made me into a voluntarist. This is one of the books that did it. He explains that the Constitution has no essential authority. Think of it this way. Very simple, very simply, right? Um, simple law, logic. You don't have to be a lawyer to understand this. Everyone has certain natural rights, right? You, you have a, a right to your property, a right to bodily autonomy, a right to freedom of expression, self-defense. You can delegate some of your property or your rights to someone else, maybe. A healthcare proxy, you can delegate some rights to them if you're incapacitated, whatever. But if you have, but you can't delegate rights. You can't delegate rights you don't have. I can delegate certain rights that are mine, but I don't have the right to seal from others. So I can't possibly delegate that right to my representative government, right? I don't have the right to 
decide what kind of property people can own. I don't have the right to decide whether someone can defend themselves. I don't have rights to control others, basically. So I cannot possibly delegate that right to a representative in government who we elect. That's another big issue. Another one of the major issues that Spooner discusses in his book, The Constitution of No Authority, I'll try to link to that book in this description as well, is the concept that, think about it, who signed the Constitution? Who ratified the Constitution? I don't know. I can look it up. 10, 15, 20, 50, 100 signers. I think the U.S. had a few million people at the time. All right, so a few people. You know, there were delegates, representatives. We all know that that's totally kosher, right? But when they signed the Constitution, they essentially said that the government, the politicians, those who are elected, shall have total power, essentially 100% power, because they determine how much power they have. So they essentially have infinite power, potentially, over all the people, meaning all the individuals who are not politicians must obey and must give taxes, according to the Constitution, Congress can lay taxes. They must pay as much taxes as the politicians want for eternity. Think about it this way. And I never thought about this till I read this book. And no one thinks about this. They signed the Constitution. Now, whether they were our forefathers or actual ancestors, most of us are not directly descendant from the Founding Fathers, the signers of the Constitution. But imagine we were. This is immigration, of course. But imagine we were. Still, how do they have a right to give away rights of those who are not even born yet? Imagine if, let's say, Washington was my great-great-great-great-grandfather. He can bind himself, not even others, but imagine he could bind all the others in society to him being um, president and force people to obey the politicians. But what about babies? Like I said to someone the other day, I can sign a contract saying, I'll work for you, I'll work for you for free, I'll be your slave. I can't say my child who isn't born yet or my grandchildren will be slaves to your grandchildren. I don't have any legal right to write that contract. You, you can't bind someone who is not, you can't bind anyone else besides you to, to any contract, obviously, but especially not those who are not even born yet. So the Constitution, signed in 1776, 1787, hundreds of years ago, bound me, who, again, forget if I was an immigrant, you know, my, my grandparents moved here a few generations ago, but even if we were descendants, our great-grandfather can't legally, can't morally, not according to any law, any contract law in the world, I don't think, can you bind your great-great-grandchildren and descendants in perpetuity? descendants for all of eternity, to others who are elected, the, the elected political class. It's almost like a, a caste system of uh, the, the royal class, right? For all generations to come forever, the, the people, the citizens must obey and do whatever the royal class asks of them, right? It's uh, pretty barbaric and ancient, outdated. So that's another big, big issue. And there are plenty of other issues Spooner addresses in the in the book. Um, and then the final thing I'll address is, but Alu, what other system is better? Democracy, you know, it's the best system. It's not perfect, but, you know, people vote and the majority of people maybe get the majority of what they want. Um, before we get to, to that argument, even, it's a bad argument. But not only is, is democracy bad, because it's essentially not rule, but if we went back to, or if we had 100% pure direct democracy, meaning if every single person voted on every single issue. So currently we, we elect representatives who know better than us and they vote on the bills because they know more than us because we're idiots and they're politicians. The problem with that is 
we're all forced, we're pigeonholed into uh, binary choices or limited choices at least to elect either pretty terrible Republicans who are pretty um, soft on the freedoms, they don't really care about freedom. They go along with Democrats and banning banning uh, guns and increasing taxes. They're not even that good on the other issues. They also want to ban drugs and other stuff. They also want to limit um, free markets. And they're not that good on surveillance and spying and privacy. And they love they love going to war in every country. So they are on, they are in line with 30% of what we like. Democrats are only in line with 25% of what we like. So we elect Republicans who are still totally 75% of issues. They're against us because that's the better of the two choices. See what I mean? It's a binary choice. You want to choose to get beaten up with a baseball bat or beaten up with a, a hammer. Um, I don't want either of those terrible choices. Do I have to be violated by one of those things? Yes, you have to. Republican or Democrat. One politician or another. But Alu, that's that's not their fault. That's, you know, the, the system just, why don't you run for office? You know, why don't we elect uh, better people or win in the primaries? No. It's not on me. It's not, it's not on me to not be violated. You cannot violate me. Why'd you get beat up with a baseball bat? You should have defended yourself. No, you shouldn't have violated me. They are making the, the affirmative action against me. So, so the final thing is people say, well, what system is better? Oh, before I get to the final thing, the, the reason that representative democracy is even worse is because, you know, we elect people in, in ancient times, it might have sounded good. We don't have time to know all the laws, especially now it's gotten worse. You know, the laws are, are 3,000 pages long and they give the representatives an hour to read it. Maybe they can, they're super readers. We definitely can't read 3,000 page omnibus bills that spend a trillion dollars in one hour and then vote on it. But it's it's because they disagree with us on, on they can disagree with us on 80% of issues and still get reelected because the, uh, the other binary choice is even worse. If we had a system of direct democracy, it'd be better than a representative democracy because then at least every single person technically could make our voices heard on every single issue. What I mean by that is this. if Imagine if every single bill, instead of being voted on, I know you'd have to amend the Constitution, but just go with me here in this hypothetical. Imagine if every single bill in the you know, House and Senate, instead of the House voting on it, the Senate voting on it, imagine if every single voter, every adult in the U.S., got a chance to vote on every single bill. Cannabis being Schedule One, most controlled, most illegal substance, according to the federal government, that would end in an instant because like 80% of people in the U.S. think cannabis is either not that dangerous at all or... or very, very mildly dangerous, nothing compared to heroin, where it's currently in the same class as I think uh, heroin and some other hard drugs. That would end. Right now it hasn't ended because politicians don't give a crap if they're popular or not. Uh, I mean, they want to be popular, but they don't care what popular opinion is. They somehow remain popular by brainwashing people to vote for them, but they don't do what popular people, what the people want. Their constituents want certain things, they don't do it. Their constituents want some tax relief and an end of regulations, an end of surveillance, an end of the drug war, end of foreign wars, and politicians don't do it consistently. They oppose their constituents, and they keep getting reelected somehow. I don't know how. I think they have an 11% approval rating or less, and yet a 96% re-election rating, re-election uh, percentage. That's curious. But imagine if we all voted on every law. The majority of the U.S., which I believe supports um, winding down the drug war, supports totally isolationism much more than foreign interventionism, supports much less surveillance, if any surveillance, by the federal government. Supports, I think, a more open free market as far as regulations. As far as taxes versus socialism, I don't know. I'm a pessimist. I think most of the country is socialist. But on many of those issues, police accountability, I think 70% would want police body cameras, more accountability, and qualified immunity, possibly end civil ass forfeiture. 
if you let everyone directly vote on the issues, we'd actually have a much more free and fair society and more representative of the actual people. Because again, I've been around the, the, the US, I've spent time, like real time, meaningful time in almost every single state, around 40, 40 some states. I've also spoken to people online from, from all types all around the country. I think there's a tremendous consensus on a few things. People don't like civil ass enforcer. That's the, the federal law that allows any cop, any local cop even, to literally take any property without convicting you of a crime. So the whole due process, I'll do a video on due process later again because we're due for another one. Uh, no due process. They don't even have to charge you with a crime. They can just take your property and just say their justification is we thought that this property potentially, theoretically, could have been used in the, involved in a crime in the past or present. You're currently using it in the crime or in the future. So if they think your car could have had a drug deal take place in your car in the past or is currently or in the future, you could potentially do a drug deal in your car, which applies to all cars in the world because potentially that could happen. They can take your car. It's that simple. In fact, cops love civil ass forfeiture so much and the federal government empowers them to do this with federal laws and they have equitable sharing, which means that you can do it as long as you share the loot with us. So the feds say you can do it. We'll let you do it, but you just got to share some of the spoils with us. It's like 50-50 or 80-20. It got so bad that some police departments were busted because because they do this so much and they had lists of certain cars they wanted they wanted a, a suv for the fly car for the captain or something and they wanted some other cars some cool cars and they put a list and said let's try to nab these with civil ass forfeiture let's try to steal these certain cars let's find them and we'll find an excuse to take it which is very easy you just have to take it and say we think maybe theoretically in the future you you know you might do a drug deal in this car they've stolen houses from a grandma because her grandson the teenager might have sold a tiny bit of weed a long time ago to a friend a tiny bit of weed in the basement, so they took the whole house. Oh, the whole house was involved in the crime. It took place in the house years ago. So they just took it. No crime, no conviction, nothing, no due process. They took it. Then you got to get a lawyer for a million bucks and take it back. So if people got a chance to vote on all these things, they wouldn't exist anymore. Civil asset forfeiture would be gone in an instant if people could vote. Direct democracy, I know I used to say, and I, I admit I evolved on this issue, I used to say direct democracy is mob rule, it's, and, it is, and it is pure mob rule. But overall, I think technically, again, I'm principled, but practically speaking, it would be provide for a better country, I think. The last thing we'll address here, it's already been 30 minutes, so it's going to be a five-minute video, but now it's like a full-on podcast, so that's fine. The last thing is someone said to me the other day, well, if democracy is not a good system, what system is better? And I don't know the answer to that unless we abolish the entire government and have zero coercion, violence, and theft being justified. That would be the ideal society. I don't know if it's possible or not. It's mostly theoretical, but theoretically, I want to live in a society where all violence and theft and violations of, of human rights are, are condemned. Right now, people condemn violations of property rights, but unless they're done by the government. When the government steals something, like in uh, Kilo, what was it? Kilo versus New London or something, um, the Supreme Court case where they, they affirmed eminent domain. They just took a house from a lady just for the hell of it. The, the town took her house because they wanted to sell it to uh, some big company, I think Pfizer. They just took her house. Yeah, why not? So, and, and the Supreme Court confirmed that, meaning it's totally constitutional because they are the gods who decide what the Constitution means. So, if... I don't know if any system is better. But just because democracy sucks and other systems are worse doesn't mean we should we should worship democracy. We can say, let's not change it till we have a better system, but you shouldn't worship it. If you're getting, again, like I said before, if you're getting beat over the head with a baseball bat every day and you say, well, the alternatives are getting beat up with a, with a hammer, getting beat up with an ax, getting punched in the face, um, so I'll just stick with this for now. No. no, you can recognize that none of those situations are good. They're all bad situations. Democracy is bad. Dictatorship is bad. Communism is bad. In China and in North Korea, well, China's probably more free than us. 
in in North Korea, they have essentially zero freedom, which we're, we're getting there. In a few years, we'll look more like North Korea. So it's worse than us. That's a communist dictatorship. In the U.S., it's becoming more and more of a dictatorship. I think it's it's slightly representative or slightly democratic oligarchy. And that's what I've determined. It's, it's ruled by a few people, but there are some representative or democratic elements. So there are some votes. Um, and one in a million votes do matter when, when the politicians don't get what they wanted. I don't think they wanted Trump, but who knows? He might have been controlled opposition, but I don't think they wanted Trump to win. And a few others win. I'm sure DeSantis, Christie know him. They probably didn't want her to win. But for the most part, whoever they want to win wins. So slightly democratic oligarchy, because at the end of the day, around 90% of the decisions are made by maybe five people. Right now, Biden, his handlers, Pelosi, Schumer, and you know a few others in D.C. probably. Unless there are bigger elites pulling the strings, which would be which would be pretty scary. So, is now, now the reason that I've heard some libertarians make this argument again? I flipped on this. I used to think they were crazy, but some have said monarchy could be better, and I'm like, that's a king. That's literally like the ultimate super dictatorship, right? Wrong. If you understand political gamesmanship, then you really have to study, you know, political science, political gamesmanship, and it's all about campaigns, right? As soon as they're elected, you celebrate. The next day, what are you working on? Your re-election campaign. Every politician wants three things. To not cause a storm, to get re-elected, and to get promoted to a higher office. That's all politicians want. So, so a lot of this is political gamesmanship. And, and a lot of those policies that you may or may not support depend on when you're up for re-election, what, how popular that issue is for your constituency or whether it's a winning issue or not. Um, right now, the popular thing to do is be anti-police, which, you know, is a good thing for police accountability. Also popular is socialism and, and social justice, which is a bad thing. Um, but that's what's popular. So that's what politicians do. In a monarchy, or even a, a cemented oligarchy, politicians at least can do what they, they sincerely want to do, which may or may not be good. But at least they don't have to worry about which way the political winds are blowing. You know what I mean? At least they can have some concrete principles. And if your monarch is a tyrant, he's a tyrant. But at least you have a 50% chance of, or, you know, some chance, if, you're, if your monarch is benevolent, and some, some kings, I, I think, have been decent over the years, he doesn't have to worry about getting elected. He doesn't have to worry about standing up for some freedoms and opposing social justice, maybe. Maybe opposing surveillance. Because he doesn't care what the ACLU says about him being reelected. There is no election. He can do what he wants. At least he can rule the way he wants. We already have oligarchs. They already win almost every goddamn election anyway. But they, they're always in campaign mode. At least with a monarch, we'd get some respite because they wouldn't be in campaign mode ever because they'd be monarchs. So, yes, I think we have so little freedom in the U.S. Would I rather a monarch? Maybe. It sounds crazy, but maybe you'll come around because I see it because I'm, I'm, I'm involved in the political stuff. Everyone's always in campaign mode. I say, hey, can you support this bill? You know, it lowers taxes a bit. You know, it cements gun rights a little bit and says maybe Biden shouldn't violate all of our gun rights. No, I got to get reelected. I can't support that. It's complicated. In a monarchy or any uh, cemented non-democratic government structure, they don't have to worry about getting elected. And currently, the, the worrying about the campaigns almost always serves to hurt us. It's always a detriment to us. It almost never helps us. Oh, but all, you know, Cheney, screw the people of Wyoming, and everyone hates her now. She's not going to get reelected. B.S. I've seen this game before a million times. They always get reelected 99.9% .9 of the time. Mitt Romney sucks. He won't get reelected. I bet he will. Cheney owns Wyoming. They didn't like her before. She still somehow won. They don't like her now. She'll still somehow win again. So they're not beholden to the people. They're not accountable. 
So th those are some of the reasons, just mostly off the top of my head with a bit of notes here, why I hate democracy. I think it's terrible. No other government systems are much better, but some might be better. But democracy is really, really terrible. It gives people a false sense that they control it. It's such BS. A lot of voluntarists don't vote at all. Some do, some don't. I think it's kind of self-defense. We, we should vote to at least uh, slow down, mitigate the, the disastrous violations of our liberties. But I kind of understand those who don't because they, they believe you shouldn't play in their game. And every time you, you go to court, every time you vote, every time you try to participate in this stuff or win an election or, or vote, you're essentially justifying. You're saying, I'm voting. I'm voting for this master or that master. Slaves, if they had a vote, they wouldn't vote for any master. Does that mean they'd be free? No, probably not. But just voting for your master and they see, oh, we got 100 million votes, right? Um, I guess technically with the mail-in fraud crap, Biden and Trump each got around 80 million. So maybe 150 or, or two, uh, 160 million votes in this presidential election. It's usually closer to 100 million, I believe. Um, Clinton and Trump each got 50, 55 million. But if they see numbers dwindle, they'll still be in office. But if they see only a total of 5 million votes instead of 100 million for president, they'll start thinking, oh, crap. People just are not very into the whole choosing masters and justifying and playing to the politicians and, and bowing down to them and, and choosing a leader and essentially justifying the system of tyranny, the system of government, which is built on violating people. So I'll close with this. Democracy and all government, especially democracy, is literally built on. It's essentially a synonym with violating people's property rights. If you just respected property rights, you wouldn't have to worry about voting because most people vote to have politicians steal from others and violate others and, and give them the money from others or the benefits, the, the rights from others. Violate others and, and lift me up as far as cronyism. Go shut down those you know companies because they're competition for me. I mean, shut down those companies because it'll make everything safer and then I'll benefit and that's cronyism. So pretty much everything about democracy is terrible. I think voting is, is terrible. And it, it, I feel disgusting when I have have to vote for a master. Well, this one is a lot better than the other one, but still a tyrant. He still wants to abuse me, but abuse me, you know, one day a week instead of five days a week, so I'd rather be abused less. But if you want no abuse, don't vote and start thinking about living outside of government. Start being, you know, uh, agorist or voluntarist or, or find a way to live apart from these tyrants. And that's what I got for today. Check out libertyblock.com. Looking forward to your thoughts in the comments. Email me, message me. You can find me on Mui and a whole bunch of other sites. And more coming soon. Thank you very much. Have a good night.